Hi, this is Ron McLean of Hockey Slash Movie Night in Canada. You're listening to CITR 101.9. Welcome to Thunderbird Eye here on 101.9 FM every Tuesday from 4.30 to 6. I'm Daryl Wiener opening off with The Luck You Got by High Strung. Uh, that's the theme song of the television show Shameless. Uh, truly wonderful show. Definitely my favorite show of the first three months of 2011. Season finale was last night on Movie Central. William H. Macy. It was absolutely hilarious. I love it. I recommend it. And we can't talk about it anymore because we've got a lot to get into on the show today. It is by May 1st. That is what I have been told. May 1st. We are going to know before May 1st. I spoke with the senior advisor to President Toop uh, yesterday on the phone, Catherine Doverne. And that's when we're going to find out if, in fact, UBC is going NCAA or not. Lots of guests. It's going to fill the whole hour and a half today uh, with us on the line to start us off. A man who is actually, he's had a tough gig, everybody. He has been in charge of the consultation process this entire time. The neutral party who is putting the package together for President Toop to help him make his decision. Great talking to him yesterday. I got a lot out of this guy on the phone, uh, wonderful individual, talking to him yesterday, uh, Chad Heisen from UBC. Chad, thanks for being on the show today. 
Thanks, Daryl. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's a it's a talk show, Chad. We we try to put a little energy into it sometimes. So. <laughs> Have you watched the show Shameless? Actually, no, I've actually not seen it. But uh, based on your enthusiastic <laughs> recommendation, I think I'll be checking it out. Uh, there you go. So, Chad, you have been in charge of putting together a package where you're getting enthusiasm from one side and from the other side. Correct. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been working with uh, Brian Sullivan actually. Uh, Brian has been the lead on the consultation, and so I've been working with him um, on uh, on meeting with the the community and uh, and finding out uh, people's views and getting their input and feedback and also their questions because I think there's uh, there's been a lot of questions uh, through this process, and so uh, doing our best to collect those questions and get answers for people. So, Chad, this is the consultation process. You guys have been doing this for about three years, correct? Uh, that's correct. The, my understanding, and I, I'm new to the process this year, um, and, uh, but it did start uh, back in 2009 um, when the opportunity did become available through the uh, NCAA for the uh, pilot program that would uh, um, allow uh, Canadian uh, teams to apply for membership. And, Chad, I'm going to give everybody the website once you're uh, done with us. I know you've got only about seven more minutes to talk. Um, give us really, because um, what got me uh, talking to Catherine uh, Dovern yesterday, uh, the advisor to President Toop, was she told me that one of the big things that UBC is doing, the president's taking into consideration, is how it affects all the sports, not just the major sports, so-called major sports on UBC campus, not just NCAA Division One hockey, but all the sports. And something came up, I read in your report also, explain to the people listening right now the eight UBC sports that currently compete, including men's baseball, in the NAIA. Sure. Um, so we do have uh, a number of sports, as you said, that um, are already competing in uh, the NAIA, which is uh, an American-based um, uh, university league. Um, and the reason why we compete in those sports is because they're not currently offered um, through the CIS. Uh, and so we, uh, we do compete there. And um, one of the... I guess the issues uh, that is raised in the report, and I know you're gonna you're gonna put a, a pitch in for people to visit the site and uh, and review the report and uh, and kind of come up with their own opinions on on this issue. Um, one of the issues that is raised is that um, the future of the NIIA uh, is um, is questionable. So uh, there's a lot of speculation whether the NAIA will exist uh, in the next three to five years. Um, and if it does exist, will it exist in the same form that it currently uh, is, exists in? So we do have some teams that their future is uncertain um, right now as we presently stand uh, in terms of will they have a league to play in. And that's eight teams, uh, both baseballs, uh, your, your cross countries. Um, I, I don't have the other ones in front of me here, but you're, you're looking at eight teams, including men's baseball, who had a player draft in the first round uh, a few years ago. Yes, uh, uh, men's and women's golf would also okay. be um, are part of the NAIA uh, and track and field, uh, track outdoor and field. track. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and the sport that from from talking to and going through the information that seems most affected via the negative is women's volleyball. Uh, if you could expand on that, 
Sure. Um, so with the with women's volleyball, um, uh, right now the uh, the schedule that if they were to to play. Um, in uh, Division Two, um, the uh, length of the season is much shorter uh, than the length of the season um, that uh, they currently play in in the CIS. Right, and and chances are the quality of play in, in NCAA Division Two might not be as high even as the CIS. That's correct. Okay. Other than women's volleyball um, that you've been able to find, is there another sport? that would have a drop-off or be in trouble having to go the NCAA route, other than women's volleyball? Um, I think women's volleyball is the one that has been raised the most. Obviously, I think if you talk to players and coaches, and that's what we're really in the process of doing right now, is uh, we've had an initial meeting with the with the coaches, and we've just uh, recently done follow-up with the coaches, asking for further input on a series of questions, um, and particularly getting at, um, you'll know from the report that as you review it, we have uh, it's, um, it's a summary, and so it really doesn't get into the full picture for each sport. So we've asked the coaches as well as the athletes um, to give us their feedback uh, based on their sport uh, on what they feel um, would be the best membership option. And can you give us any information on how that feedback has been going? You know, um, we've been on the ground so much uh, getting the word out and collecting information. We haven't really had a chance yet to sit down and start to put it together. Um, once we start to wrap up with the open forms, uh, we'll be sitting down and starting to put together the, the, the information that um, will then be presented to the president and the executive uh, for review. And so we're expecting that will go to the, um, to the president and the exec um, at the middle of April to give them a few weeks to review, um, have discussions, and then ultimately to make the decision by May 1st. And, and Chad, um, one of the big topics, of course, for UBC is they want a tiering system in the Canada West, and they want also scholarships to be improved. Um, I spoke with Catherine uh, Dovern on this yesterday, and I also spoke with Clint Hamilton, uh, the president of the CIS today. He'll be on with us later on in the show um, over a meeting he had with President Toop uh, recently, and that that uh, summary of that is also printed on your website. Um, but it is clear from talking to uh, President Clint Hamilton today that while the CIS is looking into improving the scholarship situation in the future, they're looking into it. UBC, it seems, can't assume anything. And also from uh, talking to them today, it seems like they're not even going to be close to getting to a scholarship full ride that UBC wants. It, it, are those fair statements that I was able to gather in the last few days? I think, yeah, I think, um, I think they continue to work on the issue. Uh, but there's no real... Concrete um, actions put in place uh, in the foreseeable future, um, and there, you know, there were a couple of things. And if you if you look on our website, actually, we've just added some new content today. And one of the items that we added was that the CIS, um, as you know, had uh, issued a, their own news release um, with regards to um, their views on UBC's considering membership options in the NCAA. But they've also 
um, they also drafted a letter to the president in follow-up to that meeting. And Professor Toop uh, um, has asked to have that letter posted on the website. Um, and uh, and that's CIS um, uh, had given us permission that if uh, if we wish to share it as part of the consultation process. So that'll give you. Um, Give you a sense of uh, of what we're what we're hearing from the CIS. Uh, mostly, it sounded from that letter that the CIS just really wants UBC to stay. Yeah, and I don't. Uh, have you seen the the letter that uh, um, and not just their their news release, but the uh, the letter as well? Uh, where that's on the front at the top of your report, or is that the? So it, it's came further out down, actually. I think it's oh, the last open letter to the president. Yes, yeah, so, uh, so okay, that gives a little bit more is. detail. Yeah, their, more, new, yeah. their news release, I agree, um, uh, really did speak to kind of their their sentiment around wanting UBC to remain as part of the the CIS. Mm-hmm. Um, this gives a little bit more detail. Um, so as we get this information, we're trying our best to share it with the UBC community so that they're informed, um, recognizing that uh, a process like this, you know, um, we're finding out things as we're going along and we're trying to do our best because if somebody makes a decision at one point in time, um, uh, that may be based on the information that was available to them at that point. So we're trying as best we can to, um, to continuously be giving more information to the community. Right. Awesome. Owen, uh, I really do appreciate your time. This is, oh, sorry, Chad Heisen did on the phone yesterday too. Chad Heisen, uh, Chad, I really do appreciate your time today. I know you got to go. Um, I'd actually love to have you on if possible in the future. Um, I apologize for missing that letter, but in my defense, there's a lot to keep up on right now. You know, it was only <laughs> at it within the hour. So, uh, there you go. <laughs> I'll give myself some slack on that one. For sure. Uh, and if I could just make a pitch, yeah, um, we do have an open forum tomorrow evening uh, from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. in the Dodson Room at Irvin K. Barber Learning Center. So I'd really encourage people who are interested in finding out more, um, having their questions answered, giving feedback, uh, to come out to that open forum as well, and to fill out the feedback form. And Chad, this is the last open forum, correct? This is the last open forum. We do have a, a for, an athlete's forum scheduled for next week. Wow. Are you having fun right now doing this? Or? That's good. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it keeps things interesting. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. <laughs> Chad, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Daryl. Alright, uh, that was Chad Heisen. He's basically in charge of putting the consultation together, and it is great. Um, Basically, all you got to do to find it the quickest is just go to google.ca, type in UBC NCA, and it's the first thing that pops up. Uh, go to www.students.ubc.ca slash NCA. It's actually really easy to find. Um, and then the ones you really want to click on are you go to the bottom of the page, um, the top one, UBC Vancouver Campus and NCA Division II Membership. Uh, review of the issues. And what I recommend people do, if you don't want to read the whole report, I know uh, Chad might not like me saying this, but go to page 17 of the report, scroll down to that. It gives you really the pros and cons breakdown. And then uh, right at the bottom, it goes through sport by sport. Um, I spoke with, as I mentioned, we got a lot to get to on the show today. Uh, Mike Dixon from the UBC, who recently wrote an article regarding scholarships uh, and UBC and the NCA. He's going to be with us uh, right after our next break. Um, we've got 
Roman Augustowitz, the head writer for uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers for the Minnesota Star Tribune. He's going to be on with us at about 5.50. Uh, 5.30, Clint Hamilton, the president of the CIS, um, who wrote that letter to UBC uh, and met, and he's desperately trying to keep UBC in the CIS. He's going to be with us at 5.30. And then just to help me bring it all home, our very own Jeffrey Sargent from our CITR Sports Department, uh, we're just going to discuss try to round everything we've talked about uh, today and these issues. We're going to do our best to follow this uh, over the next month. Um, once again, um, I met with Catherine Dovern, um, or I spoke with her on the phone yesterday. Uh, she is the senior advisor to President Stephen Toop, and here's what I can tell you um, what is going on with UBC and joining the NCAA is it's going to happen by May 1st, before May 1st. So it's basically the month of April. April 1st, I guess the earliest, not going to happen because you just heard um, Owen there t- or Chad tell us that the athletes for UBC are going to be having an open forum next week. So I'm pretty sure the decision will not be made before then. But, um, before May 1st, because that's when UBC has to apply for the NCAA Division II membership for 2012-13. Um, it will not be a board decision. The board is going to have a lot of influence over this decision. They're going to be able to get their say. But at the end of the day, this decision will be made by one man, the president of this university, Stephen Toop. Uh, it is different sport by sport, and that's the thing that uh, Catherine Dovern really wanted to hammer down on me was if you were to take into consideration that some sports could go NCAA and some sports could stay CIS, this would be a non-issue. Basically, women's volleyball would remain in the CIS, men's volleyball, men's ice hockey, all the NAIA sports would go into the NCAA. Men's hockey... NCAA Division One, women's hockey, NCAA Division One, men's volleyball, NCAA Division One. That's a big deal. However, nothing has been formalized yet. But taking that a step further, nothing can be formalized because UBC can't formalize it until they actually decide they're going to apply to the NCAA, get accepted. Those situations get taken care of. It's going to happen, though. That that's my understanding. Um, Certain sports want to go, certain sports don't want to go. But the big one, the big one that got me is this whole NAIA, eight of UBC sports playing the NAIA, and if UBC stays NAIA, or stays CIS, and the NAIA folds, which Chad just told us very possible, and that's what we're hearing in the next three years, these teams might fold. And Catherine Dovern told me, We are taking every sport into consideration here, not just the big ones. She made the point to say the fact that men's ice hockey might be a big wig on campus, not necessarily a big deal. They want to take all the student-athletes into consideration here. Well, when you've got eight of your teams on the verge of folding, if you stay in Canada, I'm really sorry, Coach Doug Reimer, but... You can deal with not having, I got to go with the eight teams that are going to fold. I have to on that situation. Um, Other issues that were brought up with Chad yesterday is this uh, major junior hockey players in the U.S. And basically UBC is comprised of many major junior players while in men's hockey. Well, if you go NCAA, those players can't play anymore. But here's the thing. Coach Melandragasevic has been 
murdered in recruiting because of this delay in UBC deciding to go. And I'm, I love what UBC is doing as a university, though. I'm going to commend them for what's going on in this month. They're really going at this, I think, in a very good way with this consultation process. And talking to Chad, this guy really seems to know what he's talking about here. But um, these major junior players, how some of them will lose eligibility. Here's the story. UBC's been talking about going for three years now, very seriously. Every player coming here to play hockey the last three years has known the deal. Has known the deal. And Milan Dragasevic has had a hell of a tough time recruiting because of this. Well, I'm sorry to these players, but you'll have gotten four years. This is the guys that started coming three years ago. You'll have gotten four years, next year being your last year perhaps. Well, you knew the deal when you signed up. I'm sorry. It it might be rude, but it's not fair for a whole school not to go when you knew the story. It would be different if UBC out of the blue decided they were going to go like it happened with SFU. They got thrown out, and then all these players were left with, well, I still want to play, but you know, I got to go find other schools. Eligibility is all screwed up. It won't be the story here. These players all had ample warning um, to to know that if they came here, they're going to lose eligibility. The very last one... um, is uh, it's also about U.S. accreditation is a big deal for this school. So lots going on. And also, this is the one I forgot a second ago. NCA Division One, NCA Division One talk. UBC going there. Catherine Dovern from the president's office, senior advisor, wanted to instill in me that this was going to be a total non-issue. For UBC going NCAA Division 2. They're not talking going Div 1 right now. They're strictly looking at Div 2, and that's how they will view it as the long-term decision. That's, that's their statement. However, if UBC does decide not to go this go-around, Catherine Dovern also told me this, we can shelve this for the indefinite future. It's, it's not happening for about 20 years. And my theory is somebody's going. Clint Hamilton, and we're going to have him on later, very nice guy. like talking to him. I don't think the CIS is going to be able to maintain all their schools. Um, they're not doing enough. And somebody's going to go. And it's going to start the domino. And UBC can either go now and be the forerunner in this little jaunt, or they can go 20 years from now and play catch-up the entire time. That, I think, is the main story. But also, to say that you are looking out for the best interest of all of your sports... And if you stay in Canada, stay in Canada, you are putting eight of those sports at risk, including men's baseball. What a job Terry McKeg has done with that program. I can't see it. I can't see staying in Canada being the best option. And the big loser, women's volleyball, won their fourth national championship, going to lesser quality league, uh, less games. But when you weigh the pros and cons, Eight teams folding. One team has to go play in a lesser league. I I can't say anything there, guys. I'm sorry. I got to go with the eight teams. Anyways, we are going to take a break. Um, when we're back, Mike Dixon from the UBC newspaper is going to be with us. He just wrote a big story. Uh, it was a really good article about um, scholarships and how it's going to work out for these UBC teams. He interviewed Milan Dragasevic, Doug Reimer, uh, Bob Phillip. We're going to have him on in a moment. You are listening to. Wieners, I'm sorry, it's actually officially right now, Thunderbird Eye here on 101.9 FM, CITR Radio, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. (laughs) 
Bond. James Bond. You have to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? You talking to me? You talking to me? I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Plastics. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania Where else can you see Hollywood blockbusters, midnight cult classics, indie films, live music, burlesque, stand-up comedy, poetry slams, and live sporting events all at your local theater? The Rio Theater voted number one in East Vancouver, your neighborhood indie theater that promotes all things cool. Check out the Spike and Mike Sick and Twisted Animation Festival, March 10th through the 23rd, as well as fabulous midnight movies on the 4th and 18th, and Sucker Punch playing from the 24th through the 31st. For more information, go to riotheater.ca. Hey, this is Steve Nash. You're listening to CITR 101.9, the home of the UBC Thunderbirds. Welcome back to Thunderbird Eye here on 101.9 FM. I will say March 31st, Rio Theater, Spike and Mike Sick and Twisted Festival. Back in like 1998 or 97 or something like that, at that very festival, it was actually at the Ridge uh, Bowling Alley Theater at that time. Very first time I ever saw a South Park clip. Very first time I ever saw a South Park clip. So go check it out. That's really all I got to say. Uh, how's that for an introduction? Mike Dixon from the uh, UBC newspaper. Mike, you ever gone to the Sick and Twisted Spike and Mike Festival there? I have not, no, actually. Well, Never heard of it, actually, no. <laughs> well, then I'm doing my job, you know. I'm, uh, you I'm getting the word out on stuff here. Uh, joining us right now, uh, Mike Dixon, uh, writer for the UBC newspaper, wrote a very good article uh, in their paper uh, for this past week. I read it online yesterday. Uh, Mike, you tackled scholarships, and if UBC goes the NCAA route, uh, what did you learn, and uh, tell us about it. Uh, basically, that well, there's a lot of money to be had in uh, going up to the NCAA ranks. Well, not a lot of money to be had, but uh, there's a lot more money that could be distributed to our athletes if we do go that route, uh, just with the change-up in the CIS rules where you're only allowed to give tuition credits as opposed to giving you know, these full-ride scholarships you see that the U.S. doles out in such great numbers that are worth like you know, 40, uh, 40 grand a year. And, you know, I introduced there, I don't know if you heard it, our station ID was Steve Nash there. There's a guy, did, yeah. you do have to say, now NCAA Division II, we don't, can't say UBC would get that kind of a player. He didn't go to Kentucky. He didn't go to Duke. He went to Santa Clara, a mid-major. If you ever want a chance to keep that kind of player, you do have to offer them full-ride scholarships, don't you? Uh, it seems to be that way, yeah. Like, uh, and right now the CIS just doesn't seem to be kind of uh, you know, set up to uh, you know, attract those kind of players to, uh, it seems, you know, uh, just the CIS competition just because 
those full rides do mean so much more than just being able to offer those tuition credits. Um, and give us the coaches you talked to yesterday, Milan Dragasevic won, uh, Doug Reimer uh, from women's volleyball, who does take the biggest hit on this if they do go NCAA, where the men's hockey could be the biggest beneficiary. So you had the two sides of the coin there. Uh, tell us what you found out from those two coaches. Well, yeah, from the uh, UBC women's volleyball side, uh, it does seem like it would, unfortunately, negatively impact them just because, you know, they play so many games away from home and, uh, you know, a couple other reasons, whereas the UBC men's hockey team could stand to, you know, join the, well, what's it, what was it you were saying, uh, 2013-14, uh, the Big Ten conference is creating a hockey conference. Is that right? Yeah, Big Ten's creating a hockey conference, so... The two two of the other major conferences are each losing three teams. That's that's it in a nutshell. And therefore, in those major conferences, there is going to be openings for UBC to join in 2013-14. That, and that that's that's my understanding. We're going to have Roman Agustowitz, who writes for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. He's going to be on with us after the break. But that's the story. Uh, Mike, your thoughts, uh, UBC, and what did Milan Dragasevic say? Potential NCAA Division One hockey. Uh, Division One hockey, you are permitted to give out, I believe, 18 uh, full-ride scholarships, which is just, you know, yeah, that's fantastic. You're, you're able to, you know, uh, keep players on, say, like Kyle Turris that had to go the NCAA route when he went to Wisconsin, whereas he wasn't able to get that kind of competition at UBC. That could be a huge draw for keeping a lot of players from the Vancouver area in UBC, and, you know, like the Millennium Breakfast says, keep our student-athletes in Canada, because to keep them in Canada, especially the marquee players like tourists, we're going to have to offer those kind of uh, scholarships. Yeah, and, and create a league that they can play in that, too, unfortunately, you have to say also, hey? Absolutely, yeah. Like, uh, for UBC, I mean, you know, we're only getting, what, 100, 200 people out to, you know, those kind of hockey games right now. If UBC was playing, you know, powerhouse former champions like, you know, University of Minnesota, University of North Dakota or any of those uh, teams that could be in the Big Ten Conference next in 2013-14, uh, that would be a huge draw being able to, A, offer the kind of scholarship money to get those athletes out that will put people in the stand in those kind of numbers. Um, and what did uh, Milan Dragosevic tell you about the feasibility of UBC being able to do this? What did you gather from talking to him? Uh, well, he said that, you know, they still get an allotted number of funds from the UBC Department uh, Athletics, and, you know, they depend a lot on alumni, uh, alumni endowments and such. So uh, whether or not, you know, they're able to, you know, take advantage of that by those rules is still up in the air, but uh, I think they would get, you know, uh, or see the benefits of that financially at least. Uh, initially, maybe not so much, but uh, further down the road, I think you'd see a big increase in that. And, Mike, uh, tell us what Milan Dragosevic said. How many BC players? Because that number actually surprised me. I didn't know it was that many. Uh, quite a few BC players going uh, the NCAA route straight out of Major Junior there, or uh, Junior A, I should say. Yeah, I think he said it was about 60 BCHL players uh, this past year went from uh, junior, you know, Canadian Junior A League to uh, NCAA Division One competition. And something like 40 from Alberta did as well. So that's 100 hockey players, many of whom will probably get drafted, um, you know, because uh, they get so much more exposure in the NCAA than they would in the CIF. Like, I think you can count the number of NHLers that have come from the CIS on, you know, one or two hands, whereas the number of Canadian guys who are going down to the those kind of schools now, Minnesota, North Dakota, and, uh, you know, seeing that kind of exposure, it's, it's you know, pretty awesome thing to see. 
Well, Mike, your thoughts simply. Um, Minnesota Golden Gophers, he doesn't play for them anymore, but former Vancouver Canuck first-round draft pick Jordan Schrader, uh, who's in the organization playing for the Manitoba Moose right now, he went to the University of Minnesota. And then people following the Canucks, everybody knows Corey Schneider. That's the guy that went to Boston College. Uh, Ryan Kessler goes to Ohio State. Um, if those players, when they were in those schools and were already first-round picks by the Canucks, came to town, that would be a big deal, wouldn't it? That would be a huge deal. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you would be able to keep players, you know, world junior players like Kyle Turris and so many players, um, you know, from the Vancouver area. You know, hell, you know, who knows whether Evander Kane would have gone the uh, WHL route if he knew there was an NCAA option in his hometown. Like, that, could, you know, you're putting future professionals and stuff, you know, getting them into the ranks at UBC, and those are the kind of athletes that are going to bring out, you know, fans in numbers like, uh, Michigan State, Michigan uh, Cold War game. I think there were 100, 120,000 people at a hockey game. Like, obviously, you know, the CIS would be a long way away from that, and so would UBC even if we joined, but it's, you know, taking those kind of steps to get those players, uh, that's what's going to have to happen. Uh, your thoughts, Mike? What do you think they should do? We've talked about hockey. There are 25 sports involved here, though. Uh, what are your thoughts on what UBC should do, what President Toop should say uh, before the May 1st? What is a deadline? Uh, that is a tough question because, uh, like uh, you said before, I think possibly eight sports would uh, um, you know be in jeopardy due to the NCAA uh, legislation of not you know you can't be a part of both uh, conferences at once, the CIS or the NCAA. But uh, I think they should do it. Uh, women's volleyball is kind of ironic that they'd be so badly hit by it because they just won their fourth straight uh, national women's title. Like that's you know just utter dominance in a sport like that. And, you know, when you're finished with one level, then it's nice to, you know, progress towards, you know, even better levels of competition. And, uh, I, yeah, I just think that uh, it would be a good relationship for UBC in that you could get, uh, you know, a bigger fan base out, which would generate the revenue, hopefully, that you could give out the money to uh, those kind of players. Um. NCAA Division Two, though, Mike, that is a big question people have seen. It is going to be NCAA Division One in both ice hockeys, which I think would be great for the women's game even, but um, also uh, NCAA Division One in men's volleyball. Uh, before we get on to the other sports, you think there'd be appeal, NCAA Division One's volleyball. You would have UCLA, you would have Pepperdine, you would have USC, Hawaii, I believe, those schools coming to town. You think that would have an appeal to people uh, outside of just the pure volleyball community that's coming out to the games right now? Uh, exactly. You know, like that's, you know, seeing just that kind of caliber of volleyball is going to, you know, attract people to it, regardless of whether they're interested to it or not. Um, basketball, I think, would be an interesting uh, switchover. I don't know too much about it, but uh, just given the size of, you know, like, March Madness. It's NCAA, well, it's NCAA Division Two for uh, at least five years, so. Okay. That's well, where basketball's enough, in, yeah. Okay, so we wouldn't be part of that March Madness deal. I was just blown away by that. Uh, I think it was $10 billion or $14 billion yeah. for a 10-year endorsement of uh, on TV endorsement for that tournament. I mean, that, that that is the big question, though, is do you go NCAA Division One? Just from, a, you know, if that's what you like about it, you are only going to get the three sports in it, and the other, the, the other 22 are going to be NCAA Division Two uh, for the foreseeable future, at least. Uh, thoughts on that, Mike? Um. That's true. Uh, I just think that, uh, you know, UEC has done so well in Canadian athletics that it would be pretty cool to see how we would do against, you know, the NCAA, which is equitable in, you know, competition and talent levels, 
in some sports, but not in others. But I think the NCAA, it's fairly safe to say, on a whole, is uh, you know a higher caliber of play. And I think that it would be pretty cool to see UBC test itself against you know the best uh, student-athletes in North America. Yeah, and the other one is... You know, say what you will, NCAA Division II basketball may not be NCAA Division One basketball, and I follow a lot of UBC basketball here. You're going to have better quality, no offense to these schools, than your Lethbridges, your Winnipegs, and your Brandons, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's quite a few Canadian players that uh, have gone down to the States, uh, you know, for that kind of thing. Uh, just because basketball, yeah, it's, it's just not here what it uh, means to people in the States. And if we were to, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, import a little bit of that, then we could see, you know, a change in, you know, Canadian athletics where maybe people don't, you know, it doesn't really matter what the sport is. They're just more interested in college sports, period. And so we can kind of breed that culture that they have in the stage, which is pretty cool to see. Uh, Mike Dixon from the UBC newspaper. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for doing this today. Uh, very thanks much appreciated. So you're, you're for it. Hey, what, what are the negatives you see? Um, you know, uh, like uh, Bob Phillips said, change is, you know, it's just like moving houses. It's a lot of hassle, and, uh, you know, it's a little scary. And for the first few years, uh, yeah, who knows how the change order would go. Um, but, I don't know, I think it would be worth the risk. Uh, and given that we've been deciding it or deliberating it for so long, uh, I kind of hope that, yeah, this uh, in these next few days that they can uh, finally get a yes on that and so we can go in that direction. And last one, Mike, there's the patriotic card being played by the people who want them to stay in Canada. Uh, do you buy that one, or are you kind of like me where you want to go to the best league? Uh, I think, yeah, I'm with you, just the best league. I, it is, you know, cool to see uh, UBC competing against other Canadian schools and, you know, yeah, kind of keeping that nationalistic spirit in it. But uh, I think, you know, it's all about competition, and you want to see yourself, uh, you want to put yourself against the best, uh, you know, kind of really show what you're made of. Awesome stuff. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. And the article's out right now in the UBC paper, right? Thanks. Yeah, yes, it is. Awesome. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks for doing this, Mike. Uh, that was Mike Dixon uh, from the UBC paper. Uh, yeah, I did a very good article on uh, the financial scholarships being brought out. And really the number he brought up, which Milan Dragosevic said, six, I mean, there's so many topics in this. And you could talk about this for hours on end. But there are 60 players from the major junior BC, from the junior A, I'm sorry, BC Hockey League that went and played NCAA Division One hockey this year. That's a lot of players we're losing, everybody. That's a lot of players. Well, we're going to find out more about NCAA Division One hockey. Uh, we're going to take a break from the Minnesota Star Tribune. Roman Augustowitz is going to be with us after this next break. Uh, then after Roman, we're going to have Clint Hamilton, the athletic director for the CIS, who desperately wants to keep uh, UBC in the CIS, that's what that's the CIS's position right now. Uh, he's been dealing with President Toop. He's going to be on with us uh, right around the 5:30 spot, and then to close it up, to help me summarize everything, because I have trouble doing it by myself. Jeffrey Sargent from our CITR Sports Department will be with us. All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to 101.9 FM. <laughs> Wednesday mornings on CITR from 8 to 10 a.m. It's the Suburban Jungle Show with your radio host, DJ Jack Velvet. Thrills, chills, excitement, and music. That's the Suburban Jungle Show. Wednesday mornings from 8 to 10 on 101.9 FM in Vancouver. You can also catch this show.
streaming and podcast at www.jackvelvet.net. Don't miss the Suburban Jungle Show. Wednesdays, 8 to 10, 101.9 FM, CITR. Are you tired of spending your hard-earned money on CDs, compact discs, I mean, DVDs even, whatever, anything that might be better with radioness? I'm sick of listening to music without any funny quips in between. No commercials? I mean, come on, what about Jay? And Mark! And Jason. The Bear! All those guys! <laughs> now you'll never have to miss out on crazy... Mark Farabee. And Jason. The Bear! Paulette. Because CITR 101.9 FM in, in Vancouver. Vancouver has come up with their, their own, own label. label. That's right. You can listen to music and never have to listen to... You can listen to music and never have to miss out on the radio-ness. Listen to Friday Sunrise, Fridays from 7.30 to 9 a.m. on 101.9 CITR with your hosts, Mark Farabee and Jason Paulette. Do you want to have your music played? Have your horoscope read or just give us some random advice? Send us an email at fridaysunrise at vanmusic.ca. Or call us during the show, 604-UBC-CITR or 604-822-2487. Friday Sunrise, Fridays from 7.30 to 9 a.m. about sports. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. CITR Sports. Please listen.
Okay, a little Neil Diamond to bring us in there. Uh, welcome, everybody, back to Thunderbird Eye here on 101.9 FM. Uh, UBC and the NCAA, that's what we're talking. It's pretty much going to be our topic really for the next month, leading to President Toop's decision sometime before the May first deadline. That's when UBC has to apply to go NCAA Division II. But as we've mentioned many times on this show, here's the, here's the rule. Any sport that is not NCAA Division II, when you are NCAA Division II, you're allowed to move up to NCAA Division I. Those sports, women's hockey, men's volleyball, but you got to say it, the big one on campus, they got that shiny new stadium, the Doug Mitchell Thunderbird Arena, straight from the Olympics, uh, men's ice hockey. And joining us on the line, a man who covers the sport for the Minnesota Star Tribune, that's the Minnesota Golden Gophers, one of the storied hockey programs in the NCAA Division I, uh, Roman Augustovitz. Roman, thanks for joining us today. No, no problem. Uh, Roman, um, your thoughts. Uh, I spoke to you on the phone yesterday. UBC, a Canadian school from Vancouver, joining the NCAA Division I Men's Ice Hockey League. Well, it'll, it'll catch uh, a lot of notice from people, but I think it's, you know, looking at it all different ways, I think it'd be, it's, it would be good for college hockey. Um, I think... Uh, Right now, the, the the conferences are a little bit unsettled, so there might be an easy spot for some for in, in one of the conferences for for um, UBC, and also I think um, the the the, the, um, the the commissioners of the various conferences are looking to expand the sport. They want more Canadian kids to play college hockey. They want more teams, and I think it also would help the two Alaska schools, to have somebody close by they can play without having to travel, you know, thousands of miles. Uh, so, Roman, uh, from what you're saying, though, uh, I've spoke to the one about, and maybe you can get in some more detail, of the conferences opening up. Minnesota will be joining the Big Ten in 2013-14 once Penn State starts their team. But, you know, interesting one. They want more Canadian kids to play in this league. To be honest, Roman, what better way to get more Canadian kids than having more Can- than having some Canadian teams? Well, certainly that's true. Um, I think the only thing negative there might be if, if the Canadian team is too good and starts, you know, beating too many American teams. That might, you know, um, curb their enthusiasm a little bit. But right now, I mean, you know, the, when uh, UBC plays the Gophers, and I've watched them play a couple times, I mean, it's pretty one-sided. I mean, but I know that, you know, their program will improve once, you know, if, the, if they do make the move to, to Division One hockey. Yeah, um, and you are saying that they are looking to expand. They, you know, some schools are losing hockey teams. Um, to be honest, Roman, when I'm hearing the things, just from a UBC perspective, they're looking to get more Canadian kids. They are losing some teams. They're looking to expand. And with the conferences having some spaces opening up, my question to you is, could there be a better time for UBC to join than right now? Hard to think of a better time. I mean, I think there's a lot of interest uh, in, in 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 hockey. I mean, with with the just with the looking just at the the World Juniors, how they've taken off in interest. Um, and I think uh, you know we're have, we're hosting the Frozen Four. I mean, you can't get a ticket for the Frozen Four. People are even calling me to see if I have a connection to get them one. So I think it's you know in certain parts of the of the country, uh, hockey, college hockey is big. And also I think what you what you're seeing is more areas of the country producing good hockey players. And it, you know like the Gophers just got a commitment from a kid from Las uh, Las Vegas, which is which is a first. As far as I've, you know, as far as I can tell, 
So I think, you know, so the, what, what I'm saying is it's, it's hockey is, is starting to, to kind of um, – produce good players in various parts of the country. And I think one area they're looking at, uh, the college hockey people, is maybe California someday having one or two or, mm. you know, uh, Division One programs. Because a lot of the good, some of the good players, not a lot, but some of the good players are coming from, from, from California. They're, they're people who, you know, roller skate and, huh. and learn hockey that way and then, you know, become really good players. Yeah, I had a couple guys, I think, uh, drafted really close together. I can't remember their names in the NHL draft uh, who came from California. Um, Roman, unofficially, I've counted about 10 of last year's first-round NHL picks are playing in the NCAA uh, right now. Uh, Maybe you can correct that number if I am wrong, but... This is, people got to know, this is a great league, isn't it? NCAA Division I hockey, and it seems like it's only getting better. Well, it, I mean, the quality is, is, is really high. I mean, they do lose some, some of the better players uh, to, the, to, to the NHL who, you know, who leave early. There, there's always some of that. Uh, but I think, you know, all in all, it, I was just talking to Red Berenson uh, today. He's been, you know, coaching forever. He says the quality is better than he's ever seen it, you know, with the flow of the game and the speed and the skill level. And Red's been around, you know, for, for decades. Uh, Red, he's the head coach of Minnesota here. No, no, Red, he's the head coach at at uh, Michigan. Oh, I'm sorry. He, okay, he's, play, he's playing in the Frozen Four. <laughs> His team is here. That's they, they had a teleconference call with all the coaches. And, awesome. And Red, Red, seventy one, and he's been coaching there at Michigan for twenty seven years. Roman, I got to apologize. I, I I can probably do better on the CIS coaches right now. No, no, that, that's, that's fine. <laughs> no problem. But you know, I'll, I'll learn. I'll learn. Hopefully, one day. Um, a guy like Red Berenson. What do you think his attitude? I don't know if you could speak to him. Um, um, would be UBC joining NCAA Division One hockey? Well, I, I you know, I, I don't know for sure, but I, but I think uh, he's looking for what's good for hockey. I mean, I asked him the question about the Big Ten Conference, and he, he says he hopes it's good for hockey. So I think most hockey people are looking, you know, first of, first and foremost, for is it good for hockey? And right now, hockey wants to become a bigger, you know bigger part of the of the picture when people look at sports i mean college hockey you know uh, is 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 not you know far behind uh, NCAA basketball, for instance. I mean, they even take a week weekend off because they don't want to go head to head with the, you know, the, the the other the final four. Yeah. So so I, I, it, they want to build up their image. They want more people to, to follow the sport because once you do, you get hooked. Yeah. Is the is there a thing, Roman? Though, just what I'm saying is, you know, you get a Canadian team here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see, you know, I don't know if you follow the NHL, but the Vancouver Canucks. You can't get a ticket in right. this town. And to have that atmosphere, to go to Vancouver and to have like a sold-out building for a, it is a beautiful stadium. You saw it during the Olympics, I'm sure, right on campus. Uh, that has to be appealing if you want to grow your sport down there, hey? Well, it it it, it obviously is. I mean, and I think you know, just looking at the at the you know, Michigan, not Michigan, sorry, Notre Dame and Miami are uh, are both building new arenas. So, because I think, and even little Bemidji, Bemidji State, which is you know, uh, in Minnesota, built a beautiful arena. I, I, you know, once and once you go inside you to a beautiful place like that, I mean, it just makes it so much more fun to be there. It's like the place to be. Mm. Uh, Bemidji, little town in northwest Minnesota, they average four thousand people to their games because this was this was their first year at a WCHA, and. Um, and, and, and they're a small town. They're maybe ten thousand people. 
But, uh, but, but yeah. it was quite a draw. That's great. Uh, Roman, uh, you mentioned that people will be a little worried if BC or the UBC team, if they do join, uh, becomes too good. 60 BCHL players from the Major Junior League here went and played in the NCAA the last year. Uh, you know you know how recruiting works in this league better than I do. UBC shot of being able to keep a lot of those players right here in the province. Or are they going to be going up against some real beast teams here that are just the established powers like Duke is in basketball and, say, Texas is in football? Well, I think, you know, um, everybody wants the best players. But I think, you know, the certain kids will want to stay at home. Certain kids want their, to, to, to be seen by their, by their parents and their friends and relatives. And other kids, will, you know, don't want that and want to go away. So I think there's, there's, there's that. I mean, like Minnesota, we tr- you know, tries to get all the best Minnesota kids. And, and, and once you've established some kind of tradition, then, then you know, kids come, they don't care who the coach is. They don't, even, even with the Gophers losing, they're still getting some of the better players now. I think it's just, you know, building a reputation, getting a, a coach that, that can develop you for the, for the, uh, to become a pro player. I mean, all those things, if you can get those uh, at wherever you're coaching, you're going right. to draw some of the good kids. So, Roman, you would say it's fair to say that here at UBC, if they do get a team, uh, the press and the fans, they can be critical. This team should be good, shouldn't it? I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're in hockey country up there. <laughs> I mean, I would, you know... Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Jordan Schrader, there's an example that people have been talking about playing for the mm-hmm. Minnesota team. Uh, now playing with the Vancouver Canucks minor league system. Um, that'd be a big, I'm telling you, uh, this is my statement here, Roman. That would be a big deal, that guy coming to Vancouver. Uh, Corey Schneider, the backup goalie, he used to play for Boston College. Ryan Kessler, former first-round pick, he played for Ohio State. I'm telling you, that would be a big deal, those guys come to Vancouver when they're playing for those universities. Yeah, I think, I think it would be. I think, uh, you know... Um, Again, part of the problem is some of the stars, you know, are the most outstanding players leave early. Yeah. But the thing is, you, you, you know, if you can get un- replace them with, with more good players. I mean, there's, there's, like I said, a lot of different parts of the country are, are producing good talent, and, and, and schools are recognizing that. And even, you know, bringing in some, some foreign players. I mean, the Gophers this year have uh, somebody from Finland. Um, two of the teams in the Frozen Four have Swedish players. So I think it's just, you know, be, be creative and you can get some good players. And I'm sure, you know, uh, UBC would probably primarily go with Canadian kids, but, uh, you know, that's okay too. I mean, I think there's a there's lot, lot, of, lot of good ones. And, yeah. and the other thing is sometimes, you know, the U is finding out that you don't necessarily have to get the best players. You get good players and then develop them. I believe the term in college basketball is you don't, it sometimes can backfire getting what they like to call the one and done, hey? Right. Well, yeah. Don Lucia, the gopher coach, said, you know, he said he's going to stop going for those players as much as he did before because they don't help the program that much. As soon as they're getting, as soon as they become really, as soon as they get better, they leave. Right. Now, you couldn't, I mean, so from talking to you, you know, you talk about the problem being that the best players leave really quickly, but it's the same thing in college basketball. So, and they're succeeding just fine, so it's not going to be a big problem for the sport. Well, I I think it's a a problem um, in in order to maintain a real high level. It's a problem for the coaches that gives them gray hairs because, (laughs) you know, sometimes people leave unexpectedly in the middle of the season. I mean, that's when it really hurts. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, you know, and I think it's also a problem if you, if you don't have a fan base and you're trying to build one up, if you don't have 
players that people identify with. If you're an established program, not so much. People, you know, there's waiting lists uh, at the U uh, for, for tickets still, so it's not such a big problem. But if, if, but if you have empty seats, yeah. then, then, then you've got another concern. And some, there are some schools um, that, that don't sell sell out. Right. Uh, yeah, Roman, well, well, there are some schools that are struggling in this league, I know, but there are a lot that are being very successful also. Um, right. The question is, too, um, how much is it affecting um, sort of, because obviously the Canucks are the big show in this town, this sort of gives Mike Gillison, the Vancouver Canucks, he's the GM, a, a way to scout a lot better. Um, I, I, I wonder if that'll be a draw. Does it help that maybe the Minnesota Wild are such a presence in that city and you know, you can see the GM around the stadiums a lot, and I'm sure the scouts. Does that help at all, or, or not really? It, does it help in, in terms of... I don't know, exposure and the atmosphere in the stadium, or, or not really? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, some of the same people probably go to both games. Um, the, the, the wild, you know, scouts, uh, send scouts if they have, you know, if they've drafted Minnesota players. But uh, I, I don't know if... if I, I think, you know, if you like one level of hockey, you probably like another level, too, right. or um, in, in that respect. I think, you know, um, and also, if you're successful, it, it, it helps uh, uh, more so than maybe having a, you know, the, the one area I think might help, more kids might place, if they see a, a wild team that is playing well, more of the little kids will say, I want to be a, a wild yeah. player someday. I think it might help in the grassroots as much as any place. We actually don't need that here, though. Okay, well, <laughs> our, then. our grassroots is quite good. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just talking in general. Yeah. No, of know. course, of course. Um, Roman, um, Frozen Four, though. Uh, tell us how great this event is, and uh, your thoughts on NCAA Division One hockey as a whole, because it is something that is foreign in this country. We can only watch it on TV and see the guys that get drafted in that league. And let's face it, we have a lot of hockey to watch in our country with Major Junior. You mentioned the World Juniors, NHL. Uh, minor league teams. How great is this league? And tell us about the Frozen Four. Well, the, the Frozen Four, I mean, it has it, this year is kind of a perfect uh, group of four teams. So, I mean, you have UMD, a state team that, uh, you know, some of the Gopher fans can get behind. It has the Gophers' arch rival of North Dakota, which is just obliterating other teams. Um, it has Michigan with Red Berenson, uh, you know, who's 71 and still coaching. And it has uh, Notre Dame, with, with the, which is a program, you know, kind of on the rise. Um, it, it, it has a, um, you know, uh, you know I've, this is actually my first Frozen Four I, uh, that, I've, that I've covered, so it's hard for me to say what other ones are like. Yeah. So, but I, but I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I've covered a lot of WCHA games and, and and Final Fives, which is their tournament championship. And I think that there's you know when you get eighteen thousand people screaming in a building, I mean that's pretty special. I mean you know the hairs you know go up on your arm, uh, and 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 people people you know get excited for this because it's 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 you know, it's one and done. I mean there's no there's no tomorrow as they as, to use a cliche which. I'll, uh, hopefully, I won't write tomorrow. But, <laughs> but I, but I think it, it's you know, and there's and there's special talent there. There's a Evan Trupp. He's one of the players for North Dakota. I mean, he's a, a you know, he can carry a puck on his stick for um, 120 feet and then shoot it, yeah. just like a lacrosse player. That's I saw him. I saw him do that in a recent game. Um, there's you know a guy like Matt Fratton, who's uh, you know uh, Toronto. Um, has his draft rights. He's he scored like thirty six goals. 
Um, there's great, you know, human interest stories about, you know, two brothers, you know, who could face each other in this tournament. Um, there's just, you know, once you, once you, you know, dig into it a little bit, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of good storylines. And, and once you have fans that are passionate and crazy and, and pay $195 for <laughs> tickets, they get excited. I mean, people are, are writing to me, emailing me, asking if I have any tickets. And your answer? Well, I wish I did. I, I could, I could, you know, make some money. Uh, hey, no, hey. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. That I wouldn't do that. But, uh, yeah. but, but, I wish I did have some tickets. I, I believe you had an NFL coach in that t- in that town, Mike Tice, that got in trouble for doing that with he Super did. Bowl tickets, he right? Did. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There you go. Awesome, Roman Augustovitz, uh for doing this. Uh, writes for the Minnesota Star Tribune. On to talk to us about NCAA Division One hockey today. We'll know Roman at the end of the month. Well, April, what's going on with UBC? So I wish you luck. Thank you. And, Roman, maybe a couple years from now uh, we'll see you at a game here at UBC or something like that. that that'd be fun. Awesome. Thanks for doing this today, Roman. No problem. Okay. Uh, a little tidbit there on NCAA Division One hockey. Uh, sounds great, doesn't it? We are going to take a break. I'm telling you, it was those eight sports uh, that you're telling me you're doing what's best for the university, and you're putting eight sports at risk to fold uh, by staying in Canada. And you're turning down this to compete in the league that Rome just told us about. I'm getting angry. All right, everybody. We are going to take a break here. You're listening to 101.9 FM, CITR Radio, Vancouver, Canada. Because I'm a fan of the CIS. But telling Terry McKeg his team's got a fold. Oh, by the way, we're staying in Canada, and that's the reason. Oh, my God. Anyways, folks, you are listening to 101.9 FM. When we're back, we're going to be hearing from a man. Uh, very nice individual. Spoke to him on the phone today. From the, uh, he is the president of the CIS, uh, who's been trying to convince President Toop and UBC to stay in that league. Uh, there was a letter posted by them on the CIS website yesterday, just trying to get UBC to stay, telling UBC how great they are. Um, but there's more detailed version, and I apologize if you listen to the start of the show, uh, you'll learn that it was put Congratulations. up. Congratulations. That it was put up by UBC in the last uh, couple hours here. Um, so to read that letter in more detail, um, I'm just telling you this because um, it did change since I interviewed uh, President Clint Hamilton. Go to www.students.ubc.ca slash NCAA, and right at the bottom you can see CIS open letter to UBC president. Um, that will give you everything that uh, Clint Hamilton's about to tell us in this interview. Okay, we are about to uh, go to our break, then we'll be right back. You're listening to... 101.9 FM. Become a friend of CITR and receive great discounts at businesses around Vancouver. Your Friends of CITR card will net you discounts in the West Side UBC area at Banyan Books, The Bike Kitchen, The Eatery, Fresh's Best Salsa, Gumdrops, Kerner's Pub, Prussian Music, Rufus's Guitar Shop, and West Coast Music. And don't forget the UBC Bookstore. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, come visit us in room 233 of the Sub on UBC campus or visit us online at citr.ca. Join the UBC Film Society for their weekly movie screenings in the Sub's Norm Theater every Wednesday to Sunday. This week's screenings are... Wednesday the 30th through Sunday the 3rd. Catch Somewhere at 7 p.m. and the Coen Brothers take on True Grit at 9 p.m. Tickets are $2.50 for members and $5 for non-members. For more details and membership information, visit ubcfilmsociety.com. 
See you at the movies. Yo, this is McLovin, and you're listening to Wiener's Barbecue on CITR. Welcome, everybody, back to the show. Uh, earlier on the day, as we're continuing our UBC joining the NCAA talk, I caught up with the president of the CIS, Clint Hamilton, who's uh, been meeting with President Stephen Toop of UBC. They just met the other day. Uh, here is that interview. Uh, he really wants UBC to stay in the CIS. Here with Clint Hamilton, uh, president of the CIS. Uh, so you recently met with Stephen Toop, uh, the president of UBC, who in about the next month is going to make the decision whether UBC goes NCAA or not. Uh, flat out, sir, how did that meeting go, and what did you talk about? Well, yeah, and, and uh, just for some other background, we had met with uh, Professor Toop, um, a couple years ago as well, um, you know, obviously to express in, in person how how important UBC is to the CIS and uh, want to understand some of the uh, concerns and and uh, issues from a UBC perspective. So this, this latest meeting that we had, uh, myself and the CEO of, of CIS, Mark McGregor, and the, and the president-elect of uh, CIS, Leo McPherson, uh, we, we were really... Um, welcome the opportunity to meet Professor Toop, and I would suggest that the, from our perspective, the, the meeting was very good, and um, we had a very good dialogue, uh, and obviously uh, were able to uh, deliver the message we wanted to deliver to President Toop in terms of how important UBC is to the CIS, and that we really feel that CIS would be diminished without UBC, and uh, you know that we uh, certainly hope that UBC chooses to remain a CIS member, and and really to work with us um, in moving the organization forward, kind of addressing what those challenges are and, and pressing issues are for the organization, and with an eye towards uh, wanting to have UBC continue to be a leader in terms of growing the organization. Uh, sir, so what were some of the issues that UBC brought up, and what are you doing about it? Because the big ones we're hearing are UBC wants a tiering system, and they want improved scholarship. Uh, is the CIS willing to budge on those issues in the immediate future? future well i think you know certainly ubc has been uh, consistent in terms of uh, being one of those members that wants to have more flexibility and scholarship um, really with an eye towards um, wanting to keep the best um, student athletes in canada and so they certainly see scholarship as one of those issues that needs to change um, in terms of being able to provide more of what would be, I guess, considered a Division One full-ride scholarship. Um, and then also, you know, in terms of uh, wanting to keep uh, and maintain the best competitive environment, um, uh, they certainly have suggested things like uh, cheering um, is, is important. I think the other component we've always heard from UBC is that from a governance standpoint, um, they'd like to see governance change, which would <laughs> allow uh, sports that are, or universities that are more vested in terms of the number of sports having more potential uh, influence in terms of how decisions are made. So from a standpoint of, uh, so, so I would suggest that CIS is, has been working uh, hard. I wouldn't say in direct response to UBC. I mean, there's a number of people in the CIS that uh, are like-minded in terms of wanting to create the conditions that would keep Canada's best student-athletes in the country and choose CIS members as uh, or institutions um, to that end. So from a scholarship standpoint, we've been working very hard at looking at um, a flexible scholarship model 
uh, although at present the CIS is also uh, a lot of members are concerned from a compliance standpoint and that is in terms of uh, bringing greater understanding to what our rules already are uh, so that's significant, but I would. Uh, so that's a significant uh, item for many of our members right now, uh, which we're well on our way to to addressing. Which I would suggest is important to do, so that we can get on with the discussion about okay, what can we do within uh, the current limits to raise those uh, limits. The other significant thing that's occurred is that uh, uh, we are going to be going this June to our members with uh, with a new governance. Uh, motion that will in fact create will create a, a presidential oversight and advisory committee uh, and that's significant from the standpoint of the whole scholarship issue one of the things we know is that uh, to some degree colleagues across the country that are athletic directors um, they really see that to move on scholarship is going to go need to go to another level and there's really been no avenue by which CIS institutional heads uh, people like Professor Toop and his colleagues can have um, uh, have an environment where they can talk about significant issues for CIS scholarship being one of them. So we're we're confident, or I'm I'm confident, I should say that uh, we're going to have um, written into CIS governance an opportunity for presidents to have an advisory role. And I would suggest that uh, once that's in place, that the first item on the agenda for those presidents to discuss uh, will be scholarship. So in terms of in terms of uh, dealing with kind of current concerns around scholarship and with an eye towards how we can move on the scholarship issue. I'm confident that CIS has uh, really addressed um, scholarship. Maybe not to the extent that we're going to be moving forward with a with a brand new scholarship policy that will be what exactly what UBC wants, but in terms of uh, setting the stage for um, change to occur, I, I really believe that we've uh, done that. Uh, uh, Mr. Hamilton, how long would it take, though, for these changes <coughs> to be implemented, if all goes according to plan, even? Well, that's a good question. That's hard. You know, if I had a crystal ball, that's hard. That's hard to say. But I don't think we're looking at something that's a five or ten year uh, window. I would like to say that within the next few years um, that we would see change. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say that as CIS going to move to a full scholarship uh, similar to what the NCAA does. Um, no, and I don't. I don't believe that. Uh, I don't believe that there are many members in Canada that are close to being able to do that. And uh, given kind of the data that UBC has, uh, you know, is, has to report to CIS, it's clear that UBC, based on what they report, is nowhere near being able to move to that level either. Um, and the other one, sir, uh, is the tiering. And I read that something has been implemented that the Canada West, which currently has, uh, who mainly play basically these, all these teams play volleyball and both of the basketballs, is once you get to 19 teams, you are going to go to a two-conference system, two-division system within the Canada West. Can you elaborate on how that would work and just say the game of basketball and how it would work in the playoff structure and all those issues? Well, I think I could speak to it conceptually. I don't know if I can speak to the detail because uh, the detail needs to be uh, worked out into the future. But essentially, as you're probably well aware, is that in BC and in Canada West, we've seen great membership growth, um, including um, your counterpart in Kelowna, where there's been you know uh, former former institutions that were colleges or competed within Canadian college want to play in CIS within Canada West. So what Canada West has done 
is uh, they've come up with a strategy, a future competitive uh, structure strategy that would essentially show when we get to, when we essentially get to a, uh, you know, a core group of, of members that we will, in fact, move to a two-regional association approach. So that essentially would see what has been the uh, traditionally the members of Canada West would be competing, and then you'd have the new members uh, would move into their own regional association, in essence creating another regional association within the CIS. And that, that really... Um, um, you know, there had been rumors that uh, UBC, and for that matter, my institution, UVic, would be moving to a BC-only division or a BC-only conference, and that's not the direction that uh, this uh, that Canada West strategy has moved. It's, in fact, uh, two regional associations, but aligned amongst um, what have been, you know, those traditional members of, um, of Canada West. And also the new the new division would be those new schools. Uh, yeah, and sir, can you confirm? So you're going to have the 11 old schools, basically your UBCs, your UVics, your Regina's, your Albertas, and then you would have eight of the newer schools, which already would include UBC of Okanagan, Fraser Valley, and Thompson Rivers. And I believe you're at 16 teams right now, so three more, not counting UBC of Okanagan, would actually have to join for this to be implemented, hey? Uh, I, no, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I can understand how you would... Um would would get to that um you know i think the whole membership equation is an interesting process in and of itself right you need to go through and affirm which members are in fact going to apply well that's happening um and at present um you know there's also speculation that other schools may choose to apply but i think even within that um going forward with a second regional association <laughs> um it's quite possible that we don't have to wait until there's 19 members to be able to do that. So I'm 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 uh, I'm not trying to be evasive. It's just that I think that it could it could be what what I do know is that um, the the current the current model is very much one that. UBC would be playing within what has been their traditional Canada West rivals, and that the newer organized, the newer members, um, as they become, um, as they become affirmed, will create their own conference. Yeah, um, from a skeptical standpoint, though, sir, with this is once the playoffs come around. Of course, UVic. Uh once had one of the great basketball dynasties, maybe the great basketball dynasty this country has ever seen. Um, in the playoffs, though, this other conference is still going to be able to compete for the national championship. So you, you might wind up with really skewed playoff matchups and teams in this other conference that have just incredible records but haven't played that high-quality competition. That could occur. That's what I'm looking at from a skeptical standpoint. That could occur in this new system. Um. Well, I would look at it and say that if there's two regional associations, currently um, every regional association in the CIS, of which there's four regions, they determine their conference champion who go on to national championships. So if we create a new regional association, which is the plan, mm-hmm. um, that each regional association will create its, will, will determine its champion. So I think what you would have potentially in the in the first few years is you'd probably have the newer members that would have that, would have, uh, you know, their regional champion who knows? I can't speculate how competitive they'd be relative to the other conference. But, you know, within Canada, we also have processes that uh, really determine. 
other representatives to national championships, i.e. the non-conference winner, um, through wildcard and other processes where that competitive kind of that competitive balance is brought into play in, term, in terms of filling out national championship fields. Okay, so it is basically to to be determined how how the playoffs would work, and and I understand. Yeah, yeah you one, mentioned the one thing you yeah. can be confident in is that within a new regional association, if a new regional association is established, that a regional association champion will in fact go to national right. championships. I think you can be pretty certain about that, Daryl. Okay, cool. Um, thank you very much for doing this today, uh, Clint Hamilton. Uh, so if you could just touch on um, the the note you guys put on the CIS website uh, yesterday uh, regarding uh, your feelings towards UBC perhaps leaving and your thoughts on this university staying in Canada. Could you, could you elaborate on what you guys did in that letter yesterday and, and really why you did it? Oh, well, absolutely. We think it's obviously important. Uh, again, part of the part of the um, reaching out and meeting with uh, President Toop, and I would suggest through other ways um, that CIS very much values UBC as a member. And uh, we recognize, the, obviously, from, from the standpoint of accomplishments, achievements, uh, contribution to leadership from various employees, and, you know, including Bob Phillip, a former CIS president. Um, UBC has made a significant impact on CIS. They're a key leader, and uh, we certainly hope they choose to remain a CIS member and want to continue working with us and addressing pressing issues uh, to grow CIS. And I think when you look at the, the statement, that it was important for CIS to make that statement. Uh, we've done that both on the campus uh, directly to UBC, and uh, we felt that it was important that uh, you know we make that statement and. Uh, as, as such, I think the statement reflects that. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Clint Hamilton, the president of the CIS. Uh, sir, thank you very much for your time today. Very much appreciate it. All the best. My pleasure. Okay, everybody. Uh, so that was Clint Hamilton, president of the CIS, <clears throat> giving us a rundown of what the CIS is trying to do to keep UBC in their league and from not going to the NCA by the end of this month or making that decision to go in 2011-12. Our 2012-13, I'm sorry. Jeff, I'm having trouble remembering what year it is sometimes now. Uh, <laughs> joining us on the line, our CITR Sports Department man. He's been helping me on this beat over the last few weeks. Jeff, if you can, we still got about a month to go here, it looks like. Uh, your thoughts, uh, what Clint Hamilton said to us there. Yeah, well, uh, you know, he was elaborating a lot on what he had said in the letter yesterday, just the last points he touched on on there. And, and certainly, you know, it, it does sound like they're, they're, they're trying to, within reason, uh, regarding all the other member universities in this in the CIS, of which there are many, of course, you know they're they're trying to address some of the issues UBC is bringing up. But I mean, obviously, they're not going to bend over backwards for one member university among dozens, no matter how big UBC may be. I mean, um, you know, you can't start playing favorite sort of thing just to appease. Uh, an individual member's school. So so I think, you know, we certainly couldn't expect that they're going to just do whatever UBC wants. Uh, certainly, they're, they're making it clear they want to keep UBC. We've talked about before how it would be a pretty big disaster for CIS to lose UBC, such an important school. And uh, I did actually quickly scan over this uh, open letter that, uh, that had just been put up on the UBC site today, apparently. And uh, he did, uh, they did outline in there, the CIS, it was signed by, uh, by the CEO, uh, Mark McGregor, and uh, on behalf of Clint Hamilton and uh, Leo McPherson, so the whole leadership there. And they do actually outline uh, for all the major sports and how UBC uh, resulted in the past year, and basically trying to point out uh, 
the competitiveness of the Canada West end of the CIS yeah. as, a, as another incentive to, to keep UBC there from a competitive standpoint. But, but you know, Daryl, it certainly sounds like with regards to the, the scholarship issue and that the tiering has hit a kind of a dead end there in terms of how far UBC wants to go, uh, you know, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, Jeff, I mean, he made the point of, and we'll get to the, the letter in a bit, and he made the point, though, that, you know, they're going to bring up scholarships, and they're going to change the way they're governed. I didn't quite <clears throat> understand what that was. Did you get that? They're going to change the governments, how they're going to do it a little bit? Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't think they really know yet, <laughs> from the sounds of it. Uh, definitely, there, there seems to be one, a movement to, to change it, and he talked about this presidential uh, advisory yeah. board or whatever um, as another means of getting the universities more involved, I guess. Uh, something actually else that he said that was interesting was talking about how you know certain universities uh, having a bigger role, a bigger say in the yeah. CIS, and something about this letter as well uh, yesterday about you know mentioning how UBC was a founding member of the CIS and all of this. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of bringing up all this stuff now and trying to say, well, how important UBC is now. Well, you know, I, there's no doubting how important UBC is, but it's very late in the game yeah. to be bringing these into play. Now, that was the quote I was going to make in a little bit, a little too little too late. But with the scholarships, he said that they're going to bring it up. We don't know what that means, exactly where that's going to lead. They're just going to bring it up. And he did say there's no way, pretty much, I'm paraphrasing him, but there's no way we're going to get, we're going to give UBC what they want all the way on this. He said yeah, there's I no mean, way that's going to happen. We're not going to see full-ride scholarships no. in the CIS anytime soon, for sure. And, and I did speak to um, Catherine Doverne from the UBC. She is the senior advisor to the President Toop yesterday. And she really told me that as far as the cheering and the scholarships go, maybe it's changed in the last day because things are moving now, Jeff. That's what's exciting right now is she did say UBC can't assume that they're going to do it, you know. That, that, that seems to be clear right now. Um, on to, Jeff, the letter and mentioning that um, UBC uh, valued member of the CIS and they mentioned the scholarship money and they mentioned how UBC fares in the Canada West. But the fact is, you know, I don't know if you heard my interview with Roman Augustovitz there from the Minnesota Star Tribune, but NCAA Division I hockey is a pretty good deal. Fact is, UBC, they're going to be putting a little more money into hockey. Uh, you know, it just is how it's going to be to these student-athletes than they are right now. So I don't think you can point out what UBC is paying now and assume that that's exactly what they're going to be paying out if they go NCAA, especially Division One in three sports. Yeah, well, I mean, it's two different ballgames completely. I mean, you're talking about the league they're in right now, which limits the amount of money, uh, you know, quite severely in some cases and then but but if you go NCAA Division One, I, I mean you're going to be competing with you know some of the top schools in in all of NCAA and ice hockey so you would have to uh, you know give out some of these huge scholarships that some of that you know some of the other schools are doling out the Michigans and the Minnesotas and, and whatnot so yeah I, I don't think you can really compare yeah and Jeff would you agree with me Clint Hamilton it was a classy move um, quite frankly, he was very nice to deal with today. I enjoyed the interview, but you seem to agree a little late in the game. And I'll just say it again. Sounds like on these issues, too little, too late, eh, Jeff? Well, yeah, I mean, I, w I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, obviously, as he mentioned, they have been working at this for a long time, and they had met with the university for many times over the last few years. So it's not, it's not as if they're, they're just getting involved now, but but in terms of identifying these issues and really making it public, like we don't know all that's gone on in behind closed doors. 
but now all of a sudden to be putting these public letters out there and you know extolling the virtues of UBC and in the league, it, it's it just seems a, a little desperate. Sounds like yeah, you're trying to guilt UBC into staying in Canada. Yeah, um, Jeff, the last one. I don't know if you caught him talking about the uh, tiered system. What would happen is. And he did correct me. So Canada West can do it. I was on the understanding once Canada West gets the 19 teams, they would start a two-tiered system. But they can start, really, it sounds like any day now. You're going to go with the old members and the newest members. But, Jeff, I don't know if you, which UBC kind of wanted. It would create a better regular season. You know, you've got your Okanagan and your Fraser Valleys who are Fraser Valley is actually a decent team in Canada West basketball. But I don't know if you caught it, Jeff, the playoff system, that – sounded awfully messy and actually awfully horrific. It sounded like whichever one of these, you know, bottom teams won their conference was going to nationals. Well, I, I, uh, that's what I understood him to say. Uh, and, I mean, you brought up the whole skewing issue, and it's true. I mean, if you have, I mean, I mean it's only fair to those schools to have the opportunity to get there, but, but, you know, if you have these two separate conferences and say you have the can let's just say, call it tier one and tier two for the sake of argument. So you have the tier one champion going, and then you have the tier two champion. I mean, honestly, what sort of chance would they have at a national tournament? They haven't played against the better quality teams all season, except for maybe, I'm assuming, some exhibition games. Well, I'm maybe. assuming they'll play a few. Yeah, you know? yeah. maybe a few, but but they're gonna. It, it really is going to be tough for them to compete at the national level then. When you're, you know, you're competing against much lesser quality opponents, and and let's just say from the Canada West this year, you're basically going to have it where Fraser Valley makes the national championship tournament, and uh, and one of UBC and Trinity Western and Saskatchewan don't get in. That's what would have happened. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it's not a perfect solution no matter no. how you look at no. it. But uh, and it, it seems to me they they haven't ironed out all the details on this proposal yet. I mean, they're, they're a little ways off from that anyhow, and, and maybe, I mean, assuming a lot is going to depend on what UBC does anyhow. Uh, Jeff, we got about a minute and a half left here. Uh, Michael Fletcher had coming up in a moment. Um, last week, you actually thought that they should stay, and more information has come out uh, in this last seven days. And the big one for me was talking to Catherine DeVern, but really it was Chad Heisen who's putting together the um, consultation package that these eight NCAA NAIA teams, if UBC stays in Canada, if and when it looks like the NAIA goes away, are going to fold. That's eight teams UBC's losing. We're under the uh, impression it's going to hurt women's volleyball, but eight teams are on the verge of folding if they stay in Canada. Jeffrey Sargent, what is your opinion, UBC, NCAA, as of right now? Well, I, I still have many qualms as to going, but this if, if there is credence to this, if there is... If the NAIA is in jeopardy of being either folding completely or swallowed up by NCAA or whatever, and it would be a big blow to many, uh, many teams uh, at UBC, of course. You mentioned eight. I mean, it's about a quarter of the number of teams, uh, or sorry, almost a third, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the there's teams. 29, yeah. Yeah, so okay, between, you know, that's a huge amount of student-athletes and a large amount of competition at UBC. And uh, if, if that is the case... And uh, if you also made the case about the domino effect with other schools going, and I would hope the UBC has been consulting with other schools throughout Canada. I think uh, if it means UBC would be left on the outside looking in, then uh, we don't want that. No, and, you know, Jeff Francis' alumni just got kicked out of the league. Out of, out of a sport, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, and, and yes, yeah, okay. Jeff, 
We got to go. There's so much more to do. I need you next week, okay? If all okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. All right, everybody. Uh, big thank to all my guests. Catherine Dovern for talking to her yesterday. Uh, Chad Heisen, um, Mike Dixon of the UBC, Roman Augustovitz, Clint Hamilton from the CIS, and Jeff Sargent. Mike with Flex Your Head coming up right now. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, everybody. You all know the doctor? Dr. John, Mac Rebenak. Thankfulness to the band and all the fellas. Two, three, four, one. Such a night. Such a night. Sweet confusion. Under the moonlight. Such a night. Such a night. The moonlight, such a night, such a night.